Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. We all know, from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts, that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM, let's create. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about olives. Oh, I love olives. Yeah? I love olives. Yes. Yes. And it's a long time, love. I, I used to, no joke, I would get like a Tupperware and I would just fill them with black olives. Okay. Which I would eat for lunch in elementary school. Huh. Which apparently both makes me a weirdo uh, in the terms of elementary school students because I got picked on for it. Huh. But also, two, a plebe, a fool. <laughs> In the world of olives, yeah, because you're, you're uh, talking about like the like the like the like sliced black olives. Oh, they were whole black olives. They were whole, but, but okay, but they were like yeah, the they, the right black ones. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, which apparently is like I liking the kid version of something or the very yeah. plain version of something in the olive realm. Yeah, we'll uh, get in. We'll get into that a little bit in a, in a minute. Yes. <laughs> well, I love the green ones too, and I did then. Uh, I would drink the juice. I loved huh. them on pizza. Uh, no one else did, so that was like a really special occasion. Or either, oh. you know, if you could get like the half and half, yeah. sometimes I could get away with it. But they've been on my mind lately because my mom and I have a newish Christmas tradition, holiday tradition, where when we put up all the decorations, which is a very stressful, strenuous, long time thing, oh, we drink gosh. Bloody Marys. <laughs> Oh, that probably either helps or doesn't help, depending. So <laughs> uh, it feels more fun. Well, good. 
Yeah, we were able to safely do that this year. And she made hers like with bacon and celery and olives in it. And she said something along the lines of, if I can't go to the restaurant, I'll bring the restaurant to me. Aww. <laughs> that sounds like a great Bloody Mary. I'm like, oh, I know. man. I haven't, I haven't gotten myself a bottle of Zing Zang in a hot minute. So it might be time. Yeah, this is a good tradition. You should hop on board. Oh, gosh, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, I've just been eating Christmas cookies while I decorated for Christmas. Ooh. Like a like a fool. <laughs> um, Christmas cookies and Bloody Mary. I oh, don't see anything oh, wrong with that combination yang, yang, at all. Um, <laughs> who, I, it could be delicious. I'm not sure. Actually, a gingerbread cookie and a Bloody Mary sounds just fine. It could be. <laughs> It's worth experimenting with, for sure. It is. It is. Okay. I think I'm going to do that this weekend, so we'll see what happens. Oh, yes. Um, All right. Report back. (laughs) I also do love an olive. I don't think... You're talking about elementary school. I'm, like, not totally positive that I had experienced an olive as of elementary school. Maybe I did in, like, a a seven-layer dip kind of situation. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I liked them. I think I thought that they were, like, bland and tasteless and silly until... (laughs) I encountered non-black ripe olives um, maybe in college. Like, I don't think it was until, like, after the turn of the 21st century that I had an olive that I didn't think was kind of bull. So. (laughs) Um, But now I love them. Now I love them. And I, uh, it might have been, actually, no, this is totally what it was. Uh, (laughs) Um. In college, I had a friend who loved vodka martinis, and Mm. she got me into vodka martinis. And because these olives were soaked in alcohol and also probably a better quality olive than I had previously been eating, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, I love love olives. I almost just said I love alcohol. That's also true. Drink responsibly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. So, my my love for olives then got me into gin martinis, which then made me Mm. like gin, and then kind of got me off on a whole other cocktail thing. So technically, I have olives to thank for that. Wow. Go olives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to remember why, because no one in my family likes olives like I do. Like, I couldn't, I have no idea what got me on the olive track, but I did read a lot of articles about, you know, as a kid, you could put them on your fingers. So that's Oh, fun. yeah. Huh. <laughs> totally. I don't know if that's what, what it was. <laughs> And to be fair, like, I will totally eat a lunch of, like, straight olives now, so. I did today, in fact. (laughs) No joke. Green olives. Oh, I almost did. I've I've got some Kalamatas in my fridge. um, And if I had been slightly less busy leading up to Mm. this, I definitely would have gotten some as a snack. But I was kind of like, no time even for pouring olives. Yeah, that's that's a sign of busy that's that's pretty bad if you, the... Pouring of transferring of olives into a bowl is out of your reach. Busy. (laughs) Very busy. (laughs) It's okay. I'm doing fine. The holidays are coming up, y'all. It's gonna be great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Get your bloody bloody Mary, put your olives in there. (laughs) It'll all be good. Uh, I guess this brings us to our question. I guess. Olives. What are they? Well, uh, the olive is a very oily fruit. Um, it's like a bitter, greasy cherry. Uh, it's like a <laughs> tiny plum that never wanted you to eat it. But here we are. <laughs> the tiny plum that couldn't convince you not to eat it. 
yeah. Okay. Uh, olives. Olives are a fruit that grow on um, these subtropical evergreen trees. Botanical name: uh, Olea europa ea. I think. <laughs> Latin, a Latin is a lot, y'all. Um, at any rate, um, olive trees, yeah, they grow to about 20 to 30 feet tall. That's about six to nine meters um, with these pretty uh, silver or gray-green leaves and sprays of these fragrant white flowers. Um, and they're a little bit picky about where they'll like thrive. Like you can get them to grow in a lot of places, but getting getting them to actually fruit and thrive is a little bit harder. Like they're okay with dry conditions, but prefer kind of wet. Heat is okay, but freezing is not. But you do need a chill winter to get them to flower. So um, basically the Mediterranean and places that act like the Mediterranean is what you're going for, which we will come back to in our history section. Mm-hmm. And so those flowers, um, if pollinated, will bear olive fruits, which is a droop, um, like cherries or plums or peaches, um, which means that it consists of a single seed encased in a hard shell, which is itself encased in a fleshy fruit. Um, and and an olive is generally ovular, um, either rounded or pointed, can range in size from about the size of uh, the ball of a thumb of a small human to like the size of a ball of a thumb of a large human. <laughs> we all know the thumb scale of measurements. <laughs> Clear as day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at the joint in your thumb and think, yeah, that could be an olive. Yeah. There yeah, you go. Pretty much. There you go. <laughs> um, once they have grown to their full size, um, you can, you can pick them while they're still, uh, crisp and green to yellow in color and sort of, uh, nutty in flavor, or you can wait until they're ripe, um, softer, kind of red to purple to black and taste, uh, richer. Um, and yes, there are also black ripe olives, which are a type of processed olive, um, uh, the, the, the ones that you often get in the United States anyway, um, in cans and sliced, um, and yeah, those are black, but not because they're ripe. Um, they, they, they have, they still have the crisp texture of a green olive, um, because they are packed green and then treated to turn and fix their color black. Um, and they are yeah, kind of the butt of a lot of jokes in like the premium olive world. Um, yeah, I felt very judged. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> like, I didn't know this was a thing. Come in here. These olive aficionados <laughs> making me embarrassed. <laughs> hey, any food that you like is okay to like. That's fine. <laughs> I was surprised at how, how immediately I was like, oh. <laughs> it is pretty judgy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, um, uh, yeah, but because all of the olives on a given tree or, you know, within a given orchard, aren't going to all ripen at exactly the same time. Um, the, the best quality olives are going to be hand-picked at just the right moment for whatever given preparation you're, you're looking to, to, to give them, which is why some olives are part of why some olives can get so pricey. And, yeah, outside of the black ripe olive... <laughs> Or including it, I guess. Um, th- those flavors that you wind up with will depend highly upon the treatment that they are given after picking. Because we don't eat olives raw off of the tree. Um, or I mean, you could if you really wanted to, but they're just like hella bitter. Like not yeah. not tasty. Um, uh, like, first of all, they don't contain much sugar. 
And they they do contain a bunch of this this very bitter compound called oleuropein. Oleuropein. That sounds more uh-huh. right. But something to that extent. Anyway, this bitter <laughs> compound, um, which, lucky for us, is water soluble, so it's pretty easy to leach out. Um, so, if you're eating olives, they have been processed in one of any or or, or multiple of any number of ways. Um, you can use a plain water, a salt brine, a dry salt cure, or a lye treatment, um, all of which give you a different end product. I mean, slightly different. It's not going to, you know, make it into a grapefruit or something like that. But anyway, um, uh, so yeah, so the lye treatment is the quickest and therefore the cheapest method. Um, the, these alkaline lye solutions will be used to soak the olives and reduce the amount of those bitter compounds. Unfortunately, it does also reduce other flavor compounds in the olive and does not allow for for part of the other treatments that adds additional flavor. Um, fermentation, because olives involve bacteria poop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the growth of lactic acid bacteria and other friendly strains in curing olives is part of what gives them their, their tart, funky, complex flavors. Rarely, uh, olives will be fermented straight on the tree or or otherwise like out in the sun without any of these additives. But but those are like usually very specific small batch kind of kind of things. So, yeah, in terms of treatments, um, not that that's not a treatment, but in terms of like additive treatments, um, dry curing is the next quickest after a lye treatment. And in dry curing, um, that the olives are packed in salt for a month or more, and then uh, rinsed and repacked for sale. And so they'll wind up with a with a strong, like briny, funky taste and a, and a wrinkly, uh, drier flesh, sort of like tender and and gummy like or mushroom like. Um, though, though they're sometimes packed in, in oil or a brine to keep them moist and, and plump looking. So, Mm -hmm. so it can sort of vary. Um, a little longer is the process of brine curing, um, wherein the olives are stored in salt water, sometimes plus other seasonings for up to a year, letting them slowly pickle. Um, and this treatment preserves more of the texture of the original fresh olive and, and more of the sort of um, sweet and fruity flavors, along with a, with a punch of salt as well. Um, and finally, you've got the relatively rare process of water curing, in which you, you just soak and rinse olives in plain old water over and over until they, like, suck less. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and this, is, this is the rarest and often most expensive type. Um, and, and when left plain, it's kind of the most like straightforwardly olivey texture, <laughs> like, like straightforward <laughs> to the original intent. Um, and, and the most straightforwardly fruity olive flavor will come through. Um, though sometimes they are packed in seasoned brine for extra flavor or sort of a texture difference. So again, um, hundreds, hundreds of different varieties of olives have been cultivated for different specific treatments. Um, you know, with the uh, the inherent flavors and oil contents and textures of, of the fruit themselves being played against the, the results of the processing and the flavors of any herbs and spices and wines and vinegars that you might add during that processing. Um, and of course, many varieties are also cultivated just for pressing for their oil. But that is a whole different episode. Not yes. today. No way. Not today, olive oil. No. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the, the result can be a wide range of products, um, crisp to chewy to sort of squishy um, with all kinds of 
fruity or bright or citrusy or dank or sweet or bitter or nutty or savory or like anisey or otherwise herbal or buttery or sour and salty flavors. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. I was yeah. reading about all of these varietals and some of them I haven't tried yet and I want to. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, I actually thought this might be a case where I was going to go in and realize that the black olive is not even an olive. Oh, no. Uh, like, I thought, I thought it was going to be one of those situations. Uh-huh. So I'm relieved that I at least was correct in saying I like olives. But yeah, <laughs> then there's like all this whole world of olives. Wow. <laughs> I got to uh, get out there more. <laughs> yeah, this the Serious Eats article that I was reading described this one variety as heart-stopping. And I was like, why am I not what? eating this right now? I want my heart to stop about an olive. That I know. I want a, a flutter, a slight I, flutter. <laughs> Based on an olive? Yes, please. Right? (laughs) One day. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Hannah Howard for making me want things that I've never tried. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Um, And yeah, uh, all of these different types of olives um, can be used in all kinds of ways um, as a sort of seasoning and binder in spreads and in sauces, um, cooked whole or chopped into dishes, cold or warm or hot, eaten straight for lunch. And you can stuff them with dang anything. Once that pit is removed, um, you're, you, you've got a hollow little vehicle for, for extra flavor. Um, pimento, of course, very popular, um, but little bits of preserved garlic or lemon peel, blue cheese, uh, almonds. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Oof. Oof. Mm-hmm. A whole world of experimentation. Gosh. Well, speaking of, mm-hmm. what about the nutrition? What happens when I stick <laughs> some bacon and garlic in my <laughs> olive? Oh, geez. I, so, yeah. So it does depend on how they're made. Um, and, and, they, and they can pack a caloric punch from, from the high level of oil that they contain and can have a lot of sodium from that processing. But, um, but a lot of those fats are good fats. Um, they do contain a smattering of vitamins and minerals. They're low in carbs and high in fiber. They will help fill you up, um, you know, to keep you going. Eat with a, eat with a protein, probably, and a vegetable, maybe. Mm-hmm. Eat a vegetable. Mm. I did. I had it with a salad. So oh, see, there. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Put some cheese on there, and you're gold. Yeah, there was some Parmesan cheese yeah. involved, and some miso paste because I found miso paste. Oh yay! <laughs> Upcoming episode, everybody. <laughs> oh, uh huh. Oh, getting yeah. getting ready for that one. Gosh. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an exciting find. Um, we do have some numbers for you. Oh yeah. Uh, Spain is the world's largest producer of olives. 95% of olives come from, yes, the Mediterranean. 90% of all olives end up in olive oil, uh, which Italy produces the most of. It is both the biggest exporter and second biggest importer due to a law that allows for olive oil that was bottled in Italy but produced elsewhere (laughs) to be labeled as Italian, which I love. And yes, absolutely cannot wait to do an episode on olive oil um, it was very hard to separate out that that information from olives because olive oil is such a big part of olive's story. But nonetheless, we managed. And that yes. episode will, will come. Absolutely. Yes. Not today. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, I can feel it bearing down on me. Like, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a big one. <laughs> it will. <laughs> uh, yeah. The U.S. makes up less than 1% of the olive market when it comes to producing olives. Um, and 95% of those olives come from California. 
Uh, and it, it is very seasonal. Um, in mm-hmm. a good season, California produces maybe 5,000 tons. But compare that to Americans' consumption rate, uh, an annual 301, 500 tons. So, difference. Yeah, three, 301,500 tons. It, that is a bunch more yes. than the 5,000. Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> I couldn't find any legit sources on this, but some things I read claim that there's a tradition of planting an olive tree when a child is born in Greece, and that maybe olives or olive trees are involved in wedding traditions in Greece. So listeners, if that's true or not true, please write in. <laughs> um, researchers believe the world's oldest living olive tree is located in Bethlehem and that it's somewhere from 4,000 to 5,000 years old. Oof. And olive trees do live a long time. Like, like it's not super uncommon for them to live, like, a millennium. But, yeah, yeah. like, four or five of those millenniums is, 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 is impressive. I'm impressed. It is. I am also impressed. Olive tree. <laughs> and so have people, it turns out, in general. Uh, throughout history, the olive and the olive tree has been, has held a lot of power as a symbol for peace with the olive branch, fertility, victory, wisdom, prosperity, luck. Um, and we see this in historical records, writings, poems. I want an olive poem. I need to write an olive poem. Uh, songs, art. Vincent van Gogh alone painted olive trees 19 times. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Uh, indeed. So, <laughs> a lot of history. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of history, and we are going to get into that. But first, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip together. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, 
Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And woo, this this was another <laughs> one that almost broke my brain. It was one of those where a lot of the research papers that have been published recently, which I highly am appreciative of, I had to look up like every other word just to make sure I was understanding oh, everything correctly. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yes. Um, and I mean, surprisingly or perhaps not, there has been a lot of debate about where olives came from. Mm-hmm. And there's been recent research uh, into the genes of wild and cultivated olives that indicates that they were first domesticated in the northern Levant, which is a historical region of the Middle East, including Lebanon, Jordan, Palestine, and Syria, and the modern state of Israel. And then from there, the olives quickly spread to Mediterranean. Or Alternatively, there may have been several different domestications, like maybe upwards of nine separate times olives have been domesticated uh, alongside the development of humanity and societies at large. Since they can grow in these rough, arid environments, uh, they might have been favored by civilizations trying to avoid conflict by maintaining a a healthy distance, a social distance, Hmm. but on Mm -hmm. a city scale uh, between themselves and other civilizations. Um, so that could mean setting up in a less, quote, you know, desirable spot when it comes to crops and growing things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. These domestication events are believed to have happened about 6,000 years ago, um, though 8,000-year-old olive pits have been unearthed at ancient sites. Um, and wild olives are even older, found in Spain and the Near East all the way back to the Neolithic period, which began about 12,000 years ago and ended between 4,500 BCE to 1,200 BCE, depending on which part of the world you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's super interesting. And um, and yeah, still the subject of like a bunch of research. Um, wild olives are shrubbier and um, and drier, and different folks have been cultivating them for different traits, Um, you know, uh, ornamental use for their wood, for um, cattle and other livestock fodder, uh, for the oil as a food item. Plus, um, it seems like wild and cultivated olives have interacted a number of times in a number of ways, um, including wild olives from other areas like uh, West, South, and uh, bits of Northern Africa. And so, 
Yeah, and then over in Australia, there's a whole other thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> scientists are still untangling the history for us. And since it has been such an important um, food and industry crop um, in a lot of these places, yeah, there's just a lot to a lot to kind of sift through. Yeah, and uh, I do love I love when you find these research papers that are so in depth that I commit, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to look up all these words, uh, <laughs> and it's about the olive, and and people determined to get to the the bottom of olive's history, and uh, I, it does seem currently the consensus is there were several events, domestication events. Yeah. Um. So there you go. Where, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what we have to say. Um, And yes, these early wild olives were apparently extremely bitter. Like, you would not eat them bitter. Uh, And So even when it was first domesticated, people were probably grinding up olives for the oil. Um, And of course, olive oil was hugely important and used for all kinds of things outside of cooking, in cosmetics, in medicines, in lamps. Uh, Yeah, the the word... Oil, the English word oil, stems from the ancient Greek for olive. So, there you go. go. Makes sense. Uh, The wood burned wet. And I believe I also read green. Um, Anyway, it burned in conditions a lot of other woods might not, Uh (laughs) Um, which is good for caves, for people staying in caves. And it didn't produce a lot of smoke, which was also a plus for caves. Um, (laughs) Probably probably green as in like the wood could be green as in the wood could be not dried and treated. Exactly. Not like the fire was like magic Uh, fire. (laughs) Yes. Good to be clear on these points. Yeah. Good to be clear. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And yeah, olive oil fueled the first Olympic torch um, and wreaths for victors were made out of olive branches. The story goes that the olive and its oil were so revered in Greece that Athens is named after Athena in honor of her creating the olive tree. Mm. Um, And, of course, the Bible made several references to the olive tree to declare war in the Old Testament. You just had to destroy someone's olive trees. I got to say, if I had a, you know, 4,000-year-old olive tree and you burned it, yeah. Yeah, that's a declaration of war. Yes. (laughs) That's right. Um, In first century CE, Pliny the Elder wrote, Except the vine, there is no plant which bears a fruit of as great importance as the olive. Wow. Ancient, yeah, I know. <laughs> Ancient Romans were most likely the ones that realized that you could cut through the bitterness of olives by adding salt. Um, this, after other cultures figured out soaking them several times over a period of months in water, also helped with that, as did fermenting them. The Romans shortened this whole process from months to hours by adding lye to the brine, and this allowed for people to enjoy olives straight. The Spanish introduced olives to the Americas in the 16th century. One of the first known groves was planted in Lima, Peru in the mid-1500s, and the Spanish planted olives in California at Franciscan monasteries in the 1700s. And the crop really took off along America's West Coast, not so much the East Coast. And speaking of, Lauren, (laughs) (laughs) you know who really loved olives and wanted them to work on the East Coast? Who? Thomas Jefferson. That guy. That guy. Uh, He reportedly went on a vacation in 1787 where he saw a lot of olives. Some people described it as an olive vacation, and I can't figure (laughs) out if he, like, went on an olive vacation or if he just saw a lot of olives and enjoyed a lot of olives. (laughs) Huh. 
In either case, he liked what he saw, liked what he tasted, calling the olive tree, quote, the worthiest plant to be introduced in America, um, and that it was, quote, the richest gift of heaven. Goodness. Okay. Uh, no strong sentiments for the olive. Mm-hmm. Um, after his own attempt at growing olives failed, he successfully campaigned the South Carolina Society for Promoting Agriculture to plant 500 clippings, but those two, alas, failed. Mm. Hmm. Yes. Um, and okay, future episode, but the olive and or olive brine and the martini, uh, usually people, historians put that at 1901, though it wasn't recorded in writing until 1930, so. Yeah, yeah, we we, we did an episode on the martini, so past episode, but we also, yes. we also didn't, we, there's no definitive answer in that one either. I think there's just no yeah. definitive answer. See, this is, I'm so glad you said this because I was pretty convinced we'd already done a martini episode, (laughs) but I searched for it and it didn't show up. And I was like, did I just dream we did that episode? Because I have definitely dreamt about episodes. I mean, that's part of the danger, the risk inherent of being a food podcaster. (laughs) But I was pretty certain we had. Yeah, no, 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 we did. We did. I I remembered it because I remembered the discussion of the martini glass. Oh. I seem to recall talking about James Bond. That's what I remembered. (laughs) (laughs) And this explains a lot about both of us. (laughs) It does. It actually does. (laughs) Um, uh, Something else, perhaps, that explains a lot about both of us. Uh I couldn't find a specific date, and I was determined to, but olives on pizza have apparently been very common pretty much since the start. I wouldn't say they were necessarily a popular ingredient all of this time. Ah, all of this time. Oh. Mm. Didn't mean to. Accidental. <laughs> um, but they've been an option from pretty early on. And in 1919, cartoonist E.C. Cigar Seeger <laughs> created olive oil for what would become the Popeye's comic strip. And this is the second time we've mentioned Popeye's, the comic, in like a month. Yeah. It's a record. There you go. Lots mm-hmm. of, I mean, we haven't done a spinach episode yet. No, but I can't wait to talk about spinach because it messes with my, it's one of my few foods. I don't have an allergic reaction, but apparently it messes with my thyroid, so I kind of have to oh. avoid it. Oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, it's no big deal. Oh, well, good, good. <laughs> But I love spinach, so it was kind of a thing like, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to. Um, uh, and, and then... Uh, I, I did want to mention that, you know, the the early 2000s and the accompanying uh, Mediterranean cuisine slash diet trend saw the rise of the olive bar in the United mm-hmm. States. Suddenly, you couldn't get a grocery store renovation without adding in a cold bar of bulk bin olives. <laughs> right. That's right. And which is a thing that I love. Uh, uh-huh. But apparently... As of 2020, with the pandemic, um, these bulk bins have had to switch to to being like small package bins after declines in sales of over 50%. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm not like looking at a hot bar right now going like, oh, man, that's definitely what I should do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sort of the opposite of what's happening in my life, at least. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Back when we used to, like, go to lunch at work and stuff, there was a place in our building, if you went during, like, the weird hours between 3 and 5, uh, they did kind of a lot of Mediterranean-based 
st- dishes, like small mm-hmm. dishes. And I know, like, I think if you got the cheese thing, which, of course, that's what I was getting, it came <laughs> with, like, a variety of five types Ooh. of olives. It's always a nice surprise because I wasn't expecting it. I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> surprise olives. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I know a few people who dislike olives, like, do not yeah. want um but yeah, I'm always like, yeah, just just give me. I'll take those. Just, I'll take those off your hands. There's a solution here. <laughs> no problem. I'll hand yes. you my cucumbers. You can have. Uh huh. I'll have your olives. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. The elementary school way. <laughs> Trade. Although again, that's not what we do anymore because. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And <sighs> I also like. <laughs> yeah. Every say. I also did my. I think final grocery trip of 2021 we'll see if i make oh, it of 2020 week. you're not in you're oh not in god 20- yeah <laughs> annie are you a time traveler uh, oh no no never <laughs> <coughs> move on please um yes of 2020 and i had just read for this and again like olive oil is a huge big episode we're, we're gonna do later but the there's been like a bad year with olives in oh. Italy specifically, which is the biggest producer. And they were like, so if you notice at the grocery store, the price is going to go up. And boy, did I notice. Yeah, that wow. was expensive olive oil. <laughs> huh. So. Climate change. Uh, <laughs> well, well, on that note. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, 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 we cool. We do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. 
For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener man. Peace. Oh, <laughs> I made a tree. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Valerie wrote. I asked my mom if she had added coloring to margarine, uh, based on our margarine episode, back in the days when it was sold that way. She says uh, that she only did it a few times. She said the margarine came with a coloring tablet, and you would use a spoon or fork to mash it in. Also, I asked her about their Victor Garden. She says that her family had had a coal bin that took up most of their backyard, but that had been taken out when their family got an oil burner furnace. So they didn't have very good soil in their yard for a garden, and all it would grow is kohlrabi, which (laughs) nobody liked, and stunted carrots. Um, She remembered that when they had the coal furnace, a coal truck would regularly pull up in the alley, and the workers would put coal into a big barrel, and they would roll the barrel down the alley and pour it into the family's coal bin. I love hearing about the history that she lived through. Thank you for giving me a reason to ask her about it. Oh, huh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love learning about this too. Um, yeah. And I I think, as we discussed in that margarine episode, this sounds about what I would have done. Like maybe yeah. once or twice I would have added the coloring tablet, but like generally, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been like my fancy days. That would have been like, oh man, the guests are coming over. Like break out that coloring yeah. packet or uh, <laughs> tablet or, Yeah. Or if you were trying, you had a legal margarine and you were trying to pass it off oh. as butter. <laughs> yeah, if the oleo police are coming over, you're like, quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they finally got me. <laughs> um and I do think that stunted carrots are are a pretty common occurrence. I uh, my my friends uh, John and and Brianna um, have a little backyard garden, and they have a little carrot patch that they've just accepted is like a carrot patch for their dog Katie because it just grows these little baby carrots, and she loves <laughs> little baby carrots, and so she you know it's it's a good it's a good bribe to get her to get out oh. and run around mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Hannah wrote, I just listened to your grapefruit episode, and you mentioned citrus Christmas traditions, and I thought I would add my own. Growing up in Florida and coming from a very stereotypical Florida household, I, of course, had multiple citrus trees growing in my backyard. One of these trees was a tiny lemon tree, more like a lemon bush or shrub, if I'm being honest, that put all of that energy it would have put into growing into making absolutely massive lemons— Seriously, these things were bigger than most grapefruits and produced between a cup and two cups of juice when squeezed. I have no idea what kind of radioactive mutant lemons those things were, but they were the best. Since I've moved away from Florida, I've learned that most people associate lemonade with the summer. But alas, this association is just plain wrong, as most lemons do not ripen until December or January. That's right. My childhood (laughs) memories of having homemade lemonade, or indeed just taking an entire lemon off the tree and eating it like an apple—my enamel has definitely paid the price for this now that I'm older— always took place during the holly jolly season alongside the creepy dancing Santa figurine and other trappings of the holiday, which did in fact include an orange in the toe of our stockings and a pickle hidden in the Christmas tree every year. Although I know pickles aren't aren't citrus, they are a fun Christmas food tradition, so I thought I'd include it. P.S. I haven't listened to the rerun of the gingerbread episode yet, but I did listen to the original, and I just wanted to say, I've actually never had real gingerbread. Both of my parents didn't like it, so whenever we'd build gingerbread houses when I was a kid, we would always use graham crackers. And I always thought gingerbread was just a Christmassy way of referring to graham crackers. I will say that the even, square, and rectangular shape of graham crackers do make them very easy to build with. Maybe in honor of the Savor Classics gingerbread episode, I'll go buy myself some gingerbread and see what I've been missing. Yeah, I hope you do. Yeah. Um... And that's really funny because I also, I did, I for, totally forgot, but when I would make gingerbread houses as a kid, they definitely were graham cracker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gingerbread involved. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm sure I've made an actual gingerbread gingerbread house at some point in my life, but for, for sure, they were mostly graham cracker houses. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier. It's just, it's funny until, until Hannah pointed that out. I totally forgot. Yeah, sure. Kind of silly that is. <laughs> Um, and also, I love this lemon tradition. That sounds lovely. Yeah, gosh, those sound. Now I'm like, I'm like, what? Yeah, like indeed. What kind of weird mutant lemon was that? Because that tree mm. definitely had something going on with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That that's I I do. Man, I miss living in South Florida for very few reasons, to be super honest with y'all. But um, but one of them is the thing where, like, everyone just has citrus trees in their yard. And so if you just want, you know, citrus, you just go mm. like, hey, Mary, can I get a bucket of citrus? And Mary's like, please. <laughs> take my mutant lemons. The wasps are coming. Please take the oh. citrus. Oh, wow. Um, Kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. we need to add the mutant lemon to our superhero oh. superhero gang. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the image already. Lauren's gotten a taste of some of my drawing skills over the years. So they're they're great. You do a great <laughs> job. You have a vision, and you and you yeah. portray you portray something that is that is. Clearly identifiable. It's <laughs> clearly identifiable is what you intended. <laughs> I've never seen a drawing and been like, I don't get donut from that. 
I, I've been like, that's a donut. That's a donut. I'm glad I can draw a circle with a hole in it. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> but I'll try to illustrate this soon. I don't want my vision to fade away. Yeah. You got to yeah. capture this on paper. Yeah. Um, I you'll you'll note that I do not contribute drawings and that's because I don't draw as well as you. <laughs> and I'm like just never mind. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll see a Lauren Vogelbaum original. Oh, it's unlikely friend, but sure. No. I can have hopes. It's 2021 coming resolution time. <laughs> We'll see how how far this goes. Uh, But in the meantime, thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Uh, Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is.